Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 620 of the Juicebox Podcast. It isn't often that I bring you a podcast episode that was recorded on the same day that you're hearing it, but today is a special, special event. It is Friday, January 28th, and this morning at 6 a.m., Insulate, makers of the Omnipod Dash, announced that their automated insulin delivery system, Omnipod 5, has received clearance from the FDA. If you're like me, you've been waiting for Omnipod 5 for quite some time, and this is a very, very happy day for you. I can't wait for my daughter to try it, and I know you might feel the same, so I thought you might want to hear directly from Shacey Petrovic, President and CEO of Insulate. Joining Shacey and I today is Dr. Trang Lai, Senior Vice President and Medical Director at Insulate. We're going to talk all about Omnipod 5, get as many of the listener questions that I compiled in in this hour as we can. I lose Shacey after an hour, but Trang hangs on for another 25 minutes to talk about insulin pumping with the Omnipod 5. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. I want you to be able to listen straight through, so no ads today. But please do remember to support the advertisers of the Juicebox podcast. If you're interested in getting a Dexcom, use my link. If you want a great blood glucose meter, check out the Contour Next One at my link. If you want to get an Omnipod, please use my link. If you're going to take the T1D Exchange survey, and please do, it's super simple to do and it supports the podcast, use my link. Are you looking for glucagon? Try the Gvoke HypoPen at my link. And don't forget about Touched by Type 1, my favorite diabetes organization. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox and touchedbytype1.org. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to these and all of the sponsors. When you use the links, you're supporting the show. Last thing before we get started with Shacey and Trang, if you're looking for a great community online, my Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, is a private group with over 20,000 members just like you. It's a great place to chat learn, or just watch what people do. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. At the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a link special for Juicebox Podcast listeners where you can go learn more about the Omnipod 5. This episode is the only place where you'll be able to get this link today. If this is your first episode of the Juicebox Podcast and you're enjoying it, there's so much more that you might love. Subscribe now in the audio app that you're listening in. And if you're listening online, get yourself an audio app and find the Juicebox Podcast. Subscribe and follow today for more great content like this. Scott, great to be with you. I'm Shacey Petrovic, the president and CEO of Insulet. Hi, Scott. Um, I'm Trang Lai, as senior vice president and medical director at Insulet. The person to me that wants to make the most of the hour wants to just jump in and start asking questions, but I think it would be wrong just not to ask you like what this feels like, because I know the process has been long and it was made more difficult by COVID. And I just wonder how you're feeling this morning. 
I could not be more excited. And I know I can speak on behalf of Trey that she is also incredibly exciting, you know, excited. This has been, um, you know, the better part of a decade in the making and thousands of uh, people have been involved across the company, across the diabetes community. Um, and, and, you know, many, many technical challenges, hurdles, it just was, it was not a straight road. Um, and so to, to, tackle all of those challenges, uh, be here really pushing the field forward with an incredibly novel technology that brings a lot of firsts to market and uh, that we know has the potential to dramatically improve the lives of people living with type one diabetes. I mean, it is, um, for me, it's, it is, it is very much the proudest moment in my career. And so, um, really, really thrilled. That's amazing. It really is trying. Do you have any uh, feelings on the process? Yeah, I am super excited. Um, it's been a long time in the making, but uh, I cannot wait to get this product out to patients. Excellent. Well, I can't either. I'm going to say from, you know, I don't know if there are many people that speak to as many people with diabetes as I do. And I just think that what it's going to accomplish for just the general public of people who use insulin in general, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be. I mean, life-changing seems trite to say, but I do think that's right. I, I watched an algorithm work in my house. I can't wait to try this one. And I know what it's going to do for people who struggle and who feel more of a, I mean, uh, not just a health impact, I guess, but a psychological impact of having diabetes that's sort of all over the place all the time and, and not having to think about that. My daughter's getting ready to leave for college, you, you know, and so are a lot of other people's sons and daughters. So it's a really exciting time. All right. So um, I guess I'll give you my understanding. You, you'll make sure I, I have it right. You know, there are, you know, algorithms. You have one. And I want to know how it works. So I've, I, I just I want to know nuts and bolts how it goes. So I'm looking for just maybe a high level overview of what the system does. And then we can pick through it a little more. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, we probably don't need to start at the high level. You and your your listeners know better than anybody um, just how hard diabetes is and how much work it takes to manage. So Omnipod 5 and the Smart Adjust technology, which is the algorithm, are uh, really designed to be an incredibly easy to use system that reduces the amount of work that a person has to put in to manage their diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, the system itself uh, is um, consists of the same kind of small wearable waterproof pod, but there's been a, a lot of really exciting technology packed into that pod. And uh, one of the big technical challenges of the program actually was getting the smart adjust technology onto the pod. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very sophisticated algorithm, lots of processing power, and the team worked very hard to get that technology uh, onto the pod. So that smart adjust technology automatically, uh, um, the pod connects automatically with the Dexcom G6 sensor. It takes a reading every five minutes and it adjusts insulin every five minutes. It the algorithm predicts where your blood glucose is going to be an hour from now, and then adjusts insulin in five minute increments uh, to prevent against uh, highs and lows, both uh, you know during the day and overnight. So. Uh, you know, one of the, maybe try and can speak a bit to the uniqueness of the algorithm relative to others that you may have had experience with Scott. Mm -hmm. um, but what I can say is the clinical data was extraordinary and demonstrates 
um, really improved glycemic control, improved time and range, lower A1C and uh, minimal hypoglycemia. So kind of the trifecta of the clinical results we're looking for for people with diabetes. Well, that must be true because no fewer than three people in my Facebook group said, I'm in this trial. They better not take it from me now that it came to market. (laughs) (laughs) So people seem excited and happy with it for sure. Um, Yeah, but Chang, what what are your thoughts on, on how it works? Yeah, I think Stacey covered it um, at a high level. I I think, you know, um, very similar to what we expect from AID systems now, the algorithm adjusts insulin dynamically every five minutes so that people don't have to make these decisions. And uh, you know, Scott, just uh, how much better glucose control you get when you're adjusting and have that feedback loop from the CGM. So um, I think, you know, one of the unique features of our system is the customizable glucose targets that you can set at different times of day. Mm -hmm. And that really allows flexibility for people who might want to run a little higher at certain times, like maybe when you're going for a sleepover or at night, um, or, you know, you might be new to AID and be hypoglycemia unaware, and you might want to run at a higher set point. So, um, that it does give that optionality and, uh, yeah, it's a great algorithm. Our clinical data proves that. Well, I already pitched my marketing idea to you. I think you should give away a coupon for a new mattress and pillow because people are going to finally get to sleep and they're going to want to be comfortable. They don't even know their beds aren't comfortable. They're going to find out pretty soon. Um, it, Scott, by yeah. the way, we heard that time and time again mm-hmm. from clinical trial participants, you know, not just for, from uh, people on the system, but from their families, uh, their parents. And so um, I remember what, six years ago, when you and I first spoke, you said that that was the most important gift that we could give to you, um, you know, in terms of your health and um, your reduction of stress is just a, a night's sleep. Yep. So um, we're really excited to bring that to people with diabetes. I I, I feel like I, I have to tell you the, I've sort of been on the inside of this for a little while. I don't know how you guys take the stress of all this. I'm nervous <laughs> right now. I have no stake in this whatsoever. And I'm, I feel like I can't believe this happened. Um, <laughs> All right. So, so, okay. So somebody's going to get Omnipod five, right. And they're going to get a, a, a selection of pods that will last them a certain amount of time. I'm assuming you're going to offer them a PDM as well. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is that going to look like the dash PDM? I'll let uh, Trang talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the handheld controller, but every uh, um, every new user will receive a handheld controller uh, along with the system. Um, we're really excited to offer Omnipod 5 through the pharmacy. And what that enables us to do, uh, similar to what we do with Omnipod Dash today, is allow people to uh, use the system without a long-term commitment and without an upfront cost like we see with other systems. And so um, we will provide this handheld uh, controller free of charge. And, um, and, you know, today, actually in the pharmacy, Omnipod Dash users can try the system for free for 30 days. Um, and this promise that we have and, and offering the technology through the pharmacy means that people can upgrade without an upgrade fee or without waiting out their uh, lock-in period. So that's the benefit of, um, of kind of getting on Dash in the pharmacy. And, and that's our commitment, um, you know, in terms of the technology that we bring to the community is that we want to do that in the most cost-effective way right. without, and in the most consumer-friendly way, you know, without making people wait out um, uh, their contracts or, or pay large upfront costs. Let, let me kind of go a little farther on that then. So my, my two questions are, um, 
will they will it not be covered as a durable medical product? That's right. It will be offered through the pharmacy, so okay. not through uh, DME. The vast majority, actually, of our uh, users today with Omnipod Dash are going through the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And the reason we like that channel is because it is a, um, a very predictable, low out-of-pocket cost for our users, and it enables us to offer uh, Omnipod Dash today and Omnipod 5 shortly without that upfront cost and that long-term lock-in period that people experience in the durable medical equipment channel. Now, I'm hearing, and I'm excited to say that you're also going to be able to run Omnipod 5 from an Android phone. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, we will launch with um, uh, compatibility with a number of Android phones. And uh, which means that the uh, that you and your users will be able to download uh, a secure app on their Android phone and can control the system uh, without by a compatible phone without the need for the handheld um, device. Wow. But the experience with the handheld device is fantastic too. And I think maybe trying you can talk to some of that experience with the uh, the handheld controller. Please. Yeah, happy to. So, um, Scott, you asked um, whether it was similar to Dash, uh, the user interface, and it it is. It is built on the Omnipod Dash platform. And so um, for our users who are familiar with Dash already, it's a very smooth and easy transition to Omnipod 5. Um, and in fact, if, uh, if you're already on Omnipod Dash and a Dexcom G6, you can um, go through our onboarding, uh, self-service onboarding platform to be able to get yourself onto Omnipod 5. Okay. And so, you know, we are really trying to innovate, not just in the product, but the way we serve and train and um, assist our users in getting onto the technology. So the that was important to us that the user interface was not too different from Dash, and it's a very, very similar setup. Well, there, um, I have questions from from the audience. Uh, will I see the Dexcom information right on the on the on the Omnipod yes. Live screen? Okay. Yes, you will. Front um, and center, actually. Nice. Excellent. Um, well, here's a here's a down deep question from somebody. Will multiple profiles be available? Uh, in terms of multiple basal profiles, yeah, is that yeah. what they mean? Yeah, they. they yes. They, yeah. Okay. So you'll be able to, as uh, by way of an example my daughter can have a profile for different times of the month as an example. Yes. Yes. I just yes. found myself being demure for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not usually how I am. Um, do different insulins yield different results because, or does the algorithm adjust to it? Yeah. The um, so Omnipod 5 was tested using Humalog, Novalog and Admalog uh, insulins, mm-hmm. and that's what they're cleared for. So we um, did not test them with other insulins. And so that's the indication. Gotcha. Okay. Um, when I set the up, I get, I get the device and I'm super excited and I set it up. What settings do I have access to? Like, what do I have to tell it? Carb ratios, my basal rate and and then what yes. happens from there? So the when you set up Dash, um, the exact same setups that you require, settings that you would enter into Dash, you would require those to be entered into Omnipod 5. Mm-hmm. So that would include all the basal settings, the insulin to carb ratio, as you mentioned, uh, correction factor, 
the the key difference is the target glucose. So in um, bolus calculators, you generally set up a target glucose so that the user can um, the bolus calculator can help assist you in determining how much insulin your uh, the system's going to calculate for you for a bolus. But what our system does is it also uses that information to drive the algorithm. So whatever customized target you choose, say you're choosing 110, you know, all the time, 24 hours, then the algorithm is always going to be driving towards that um, target. Let me ask you this. If I tell it my basal rate's one unit an hour and it realizes it's more like 110 or 1.1, will it make that adjustment on its own in the way the algorithm works? That's right. That's what the system will do. Will it tell me that? Will it say, hey, Chucklehead, I know you think your your basal's (laughs) one, but it's 1.1. Is there a little pop-up or how do I know that that's happening? No. So it it actually just takes care of it for you. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the... um, philosophically what one of our um um really you know principles, principles in yes. yeah design principles and and with omnipod is really to simplify uh, the experience for our users and that means not telling you every single time we adjust insulin um if it's unnecessary so we really want people to live their lives and you know not worry about their basal rates and we do ask them to bolus for their meals. So it is a hybrid closed loop system where they are expected to interact with their device for boluses. But in between times, really, they're just wearing their pod and their CGM and the system takes care of them. How do I handle a transition then? If I put it on a, a prepubescent child and suddenly they hit puberty and their basal rates go from 0.5 to 1.2, like I don't want the algorithm to just keep do I, do I want the algorithm to just keep doing it or do I have to go back in there and make a change ever? Yeah, it's a very important question for AID systems. So we have adaptivity and what that does is it adjusts to the person's actual insulin use over time. And so if you do that too quickly, you can, uh, if your adaptivity is too quick, you could deliver too much insulin. Say you run into a couple of days where you have in you know, infusion issues or, you know, your pod falls off and you're actually delivering a lot of insulin, but, you know, it may may not be, your body may not be as sensitive. And then a couple of days later, you need less insulin. You don't want a a system that is adapting too quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we think our adaptivity is just right because, you know, it's worked really well in our clinical trials and it will adapt over time for a growing child, you know, a teenager going through puberty, Uh, all of that. So, um, you know, that's why you test these systems over a long period of time um, to see how well it works. And, and, you know, what it's important to me when I look at all the different systems is not just how they work in the beginning, but how, how they work over a period of time. And, you know, we've got 12 month data now to show that the systems have really durable uh, clinical benefit. Okay. Can I leave the algorithm and use the pod like a regular insulin pump if I yes. need to? Yes. Yeah. It will, you can use it in, um, in a very similar fashion to Omnipod Dash. So if you didn't have a CGM, it will function just like Dash. And then with CGM, uh, you will have the ability to um, switch into automated mode. Okay. okay. I think Trang highlights yeah. a really important point. You know, we designed the system 
with sort of the rallying cry of simplicity. So, you know, toggling in and out of closed loop and open loop, it's just the touch of a button, you know, and we did try to uh, provide just the information that people really want and not the information um, that most people really just don't need on a very regular basis. I think when we think about these systems and the ability to bring the the you know improved outcomes that Omnipod Five can can really deliver for people with uh, diabetes, you know one of the hurdles to more people adopting uh, Omnipod and and AID uh, has been the complexity and the cost. And so you know when we set out on this mission, we said we've got to solve for the access issues, and we believe pharmacy offers a much better, much easier, much more kind of cost-effective um, uh, opportunity for the customer. And then we've got to make the system as simple to use as possible for multiple daily injection users, for kids, for um, you know older people, for the masses, essentially. And I think uh, the team has done just a remarkable job taking what is incredibly sophisticated um, you know, technology, elegant technology, but making it really, really simple for yeah. users. No, I, I think it's important as well. One of the biggest issues I've seen with other looping systems so far is that the, 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 the things you need to know to use them sometimes are a barrier to using them. So, and, yeah. and it's not easy to just, you know, you start turning the wrong dial the wrong way and, and suddenly things are upside down. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. I have a couple other questions. Uh, and then I'm going to jump on to another another topic. Minimum fill is 85 units. That's yes. right. Same pod, just a lot more technology in okay. it. Um, are there modes like is there a, a do you sleep mode, exercise mode, or does it just how does that work? Yeah, so it has an activity feature, and um, during when you activate this feature, what happens is the target glucose goes to 150. And also our algorithm delivers less insulin as well. So um, that's our feature for reduced algorithm uh, insulin delivery. Is there an increased um, setting? There isn't. No, like a Thanksgiving setting or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> you can target a higher set point uh, for Thanksgiving, which is a great idea. <laughs> um, so so like, bare bones, like simple words, does it learn? Yes, Okay. It absolutely does. Yes. And but it learns over like a short shelf life. Like my my point is that if I start wearing Omnipod, I keep saying I, I don't have diabetes. If someone starts <laughs> if someone starts wearing Omnipod 5, let's say three months from now, um, and you know, they wear it for five years, is it like a supercomputer five years from now, or is it just sort of like learning in the in the now? Like it learns from the past pod and applies what it knows from the past pod to the the current pod. Yeah, is, right? it, it learns from the last several pods, in fact, Scott, and it uh, updates accordingly depending on how much the device has actually delivered insulin uh, rather than based off of uh, basal rate settings. So, you know, what was important for us was we don't want you or your daughter to be constantly having to tweak the algorithm in order to get optimal glucose control. It was important that we reduce the burden for people and families by growing with the user and augmenting that insulin delivery over time based on the information that we have. And so there is adaptivity. And probably the most dark um, example of that was actually during one of our studies um, which in, involved actually adults with type 2, where we saw 
very quite large uh, increase. So, you know, these were people who had suboptimal glucose control when they came in and the doctor put them on, you know, roughly 30 units a day. Uh, actually, it was 27 units, in fact. And then uh, over um, a couple of weeks, we actually, you know, the system, because of persistent hyperglycemia, ramped that up to about 60 units uh, over time. So it it does have that ability to detect that persistent hyperglycemia, react to that, and then um, kind of reset that baseline of required insulin delivery. It's interesting that you use that as an example because the, the other day uh, in my group, uh, a gentleman with type 2 uh, told me that he had found the podcast, got himself an Omnipod. Uh, since then, his A1C is incredibly lower. His time and range is crazy. He's lost like 70 pounds. You know, and um, I didn't even make the podcast for people with type two diabetes when I it, it wasn't until years later when I thought, I think this is as valuable for anyone using insulin. So I, I can't wait for it to help. Like there's such a so, Shacey, tell me for a second about seeing all the benefit in front of you. And I mean, I know your your next leap. I have the same leap, too. I have a completely different business than you, but I have this thing. I know it's valuable. And how do I tell you about it. How do I get you to listen to an episode, right? Like, is that nerve wracking? Are you excited about that? Because this is what I'm, common, I right? am really, really excited. You know, there's there, we know that there is tremendous enthusiasm in the marketplace for this technology. We've already had, you know, thousands of clinicians participate in webinars and sign up for education around it. I get outreach um, multiple times a day from uh, people in the community that want access to the technology. So we're in a strong um, kind of strong foundation right now from which to really build awareness um, around the benefits of the technology. And our job now uh, is to, you know, move into limited market release. And that will enable us to ensure that we test all of our systems, our processes, our trainings uh, to prepare for what we know is going to be tremendous demand for the technology. Mm -hmm. And once we've done that, we will really start to ramp up awareness and education in the community around Omnipod 5 and its benefits. Um, you know, but, you know, I stand here on the cusp of all of that. And I, um, I just am looking to the next several years. I mean, we've got we've probably got a decade in front of us of improving outcomes for people with diabetes. First for people living with type one diabetes, which is what this system will be indicated for ages six to 70. Mm -hmm. We will follow on that with uh, what we call our preschool indication, um, you know, down to age two. So we will be expanding our benefit for people living with type one down to really young, uh, young people. And then uh, we will, you know, we have work underway evaluating the algorithm in the type two user. So to your point, we're going to follow with multiple phone platforms, multiple sensors, more and more patients who can benefit from this technology. So we're at the cusp of years of impact, but this, this moment um, where we're about to bring this technology to, you know, the vast majority of people living with type one diabetes, right. um, you know, like I said, it's it's the better part of a decade in the making, and um, it's our job now to take the incredible technical and clinical work that Trang and our technology teams did, and um, and help educate people on how this can change their lives. And you know, forever we've been changing lives really by um, you know improving. Uh, the user experience and to now take that and be able to add the incredible improved outcomes that we saw with Omnipod 5. It's just 
um, you know, it is very, very exciting. There's some anxiety because we know that demand, I'll tell you what, the anxiety is there because we know demand is there and because we have moved to a business model where we don't have any constraints. You know, we're not making our customers wait four years for the next technology and we're not charging upgrade fees. So technically anybody who wants this technology can get it as soon as they have access to it. And that's the anxiety inducing thing. Are we prepared for that? But I know we're prepared for that. If you went one more word into that sentence, I would have launched into my Omnipod promise ad that I know by heart. Um, (laughs) how, How long do you expect the LMR to be? Well, we we haven't really defined it because we we do have to take the latitude to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole purpose of a limited market release, which is not an FDA requirement, it's just a best practice in the industry. But the whole purpose of this is to ensure that we are ready for uh, larger demand. So, sure. for example, Trang referenced that the the easiest and fastest way to get onto Omnipod Five is to be an Omnipod Dash user with a Dexcom 6 user, Dexcom 6 uh, experience. Because what that means is you will be able to essentially uh, train via online tools and not have to meet with any sort of clinician or support. Um, So that's one training pathway. But we know that uh, plenty of people who today use multiple daily injections will be interested in the technology. We know that Omnipod users without Dexcom G6 experience will be interested. And we know that people using traditional uh, tube pump therapies will be interested. Each of those are different training pathways. And we have to test those and make sure that uh, everything is in order. So I'm going to ask an incredibly unfair and difficult question because you're literally, this is the morning. I don't know if people realize this or not, but you guys announced this like three and a half hours ago and we're- Yes, you have impeccable timing, Scott. I said said to somebody this morning, I was like, how did we randomly pick Friday and it worked out like this? (laughs) Oh my God, for like a week, we kept saying like, are we going to have to record this and it didn't happen? And (laughs) will we pretend it happened and I'll put it out later? That'll seem weird. Um, So this is an incredibly, uh, it's an unfair question, but it's a technology question and it happens all the time. I'm not asking you what's next, but I'm hearing questions in my own head as you're talking, and I'm hoping that you're doing that stuff behind the scenes. For instance, uh, integrating with G7. Like my heart is like, I hope there are people in a room working on that. Um, Lowering the target glucose. Like in my heart, I hope that you're like going to take a big, deep breath, go on vacation and then be like, all right, FDA, we're doing it again. You know, like, (laughs) and I don't know, but, but I think people will, you know, you're making a great point. Like I want to preface it by saying, if you're on MDI right now, if you're using a pump that doesn't do this, no brainer, right? Like it's an absolutely a no brainer. But I sit here in front of you. My daughter's A1C has been between five, two and six, two for eight years. And we know how to do that. Like, so, but we do that with the do-it-yourself algorithm. And before that, we did it manually. Um, I can do it with an algorithm. I can do it without an algorithm. But my daughter's leaving for college. And in my heart, here's what I think. I look at the two of you, and here's what I see. I see the ladies that brought me algorithm on the pump, no link between a, a controller and a phone and the pump. And my daughter doesn't have to be an app developer (laughs) to use her (laughs) because I'm pretty sure if I sent my daughter to school with a laptop and I was like, okay, now listen, if something goes wrong with the loop, here's what we're going to do. Cause she'll be like, I'm not doing that. And I was was like, okay. So I love, I love the system idea. Like I cannot literally wait to get it. Like I would drive to Boston right now. If you told me I could have a box of it, you you know what I mean? Um, 
But and I think for the vast majority of people, that's exactly what it's going to be. But what do you do if you're a 5A1C, but you want the automation? Like, is there a way to live with that trying? Yeah, I, um, you know, I think I hope that um, your family tries this and um, really see the benefits of not having to worry about all the technical things of pulling it together and and give you the peace of mind that you've been after all this time. I, you know, in our clinical trial results for our um, adults and adolescents um, down to age 14, a third of our patients had a time and range greater than 80%, uh, which is really just quite remarkable. And um, for our kids, so the six to 14 group, actually our two to six-year-olds as well, the, the mean A1C was 6.9%. And um, but, you know, what that means is that half the patients had an A1C with a six in front of it, which is just mind-blowing compared to, you know, where, where we are today in clinical practice. And so, um, yes, I, I definitely think that, you know, that all the things that is driving good control with your daughter, um, it's likely, you know, to be attributed to things like her diet and exercise as well, not just the automated insulin delivery. And I think that she'll get really great results on our system. Great. To be fair, and I want to be fair, part of the way we accomplish that is that we, with some frequency, leave the automated system and make adjustments to kind of stay ahead of things. So that's why I asked about that earlier. Look, seriously, yeah. I can't wait. I, I'm super excited. Um, and I think what we want for, you know, somebody like you and Arden is to be able to get that outcome with a lot less work, no, you know, for sure. I mean, that's, that is one of the major benefits of Omnipod 5 is just the reduction of burden, all those hundreds of decisions and, you know, um, the constant interaction uh, that we can take some of that away from you so that uh, you can get great outcomes without having to put in so much work. I can't wait. I'm genuinely. Uh, so G7 is probably going to, it's probably going to pop fairly soon. And so I'm assuming you're working on that. Do you have thoughts about that that you could share with people or no? Yes. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, this is the start of uh, what I think is going to be a really exciting uh, several years of innovation. So we have um, shared publicly that we've got great partnerships. We have a wonderful partnership with Dexcom. They have an incredibly exciting pipeline and we are hard at work uh, integrating with their future technologies like G7. Uh, the same thing is true for Abbott, another great partner of ours. We're hard at work integrating with their sensor pipelines. And then, of course, we've also mentioned publicly that we are hard at work integrating um, with future phone platforms like iOS. So all of that is underway. And the last thing I would say is we are hard at work um, also to bring this technology to people across the world. Um, so we're starting with, uh, you know, launch here in the United States. This clearance um, is a great milestone as we think about bringing the technology to other parts of the world, um, because it just is the final step in the clinical uh, and regulatory hurdle. And then we can start the work. Actually, the work is already underway mm -hmm. uh, to really bring this technology to other markets outside the U.S. I've already gotten a message this morning from a person in Canada, a person <laughs> in Sweden, and a person in Australia. Please ask yep. about us. So anyway, <laughs> there it was. I didn't even have to ask. Also, you did me. The, I'm just going to take my little whiteboard and erase where I wrote iPhone question mark. Um, <laughs> and uh, is there any kind of time frame for iPhone that you have in mind? 
We have not um, shared that publicly. What we have shared is the work has been underway for quite some time. So we, our goal is to follow as quickly as we can. Um, but you know, one thing we do is prioritize the user experience, uh, which means we have to build a native app in both uh, operating systems uh, to ensure that we deliver the best possible user experience. So it is, and the systems do work differently. Um, you know, the operating systems work differently. Sure. So uh, it is not a small technical undertaking, but that work's been underway. We've got a very talented group group of software developers and, and others um, working on that and uh, and certainly understand um, that, you know, our customers want it and we're going to get it to them as quickly as we can. Excellent. Um, a, a question about the sensors, Trang. On day one or with a failing sensor, how does the algorithm handle spotty information? Or how does the user handle it? Yeah, so um, I think the... the um, the sensor issues that we used to see have definitely vastly improved. And I just really love the G6 sensor every time I see the data coming in. And, and actually, you know, those sensor failures are, are definitely infrequent compared to what they used to be. So um, our algorithm has all the safety mitigations built in for loss of CGM signal. So it will um, actually use the prediction to deliver insulin for a certain period of time, but it actually depends on what the previous prediction is. So say you were crashing low and you were predicted to be, you know, 60 or less and you were low, then the algorithm would actually suspend. And even if you didn't have the CGM come in, it would actually stay suspended for an hour. So there are a number of safety mitigations in place. And then when the CGM value comes back, it will actually just revert back and not like make you do stuff to put yourself back into automated mode. So, you know, that the whole user experience is really important to us. And, and you know, we're very lucky to be working with G6, which is a really great sensor. No, that's well thought out. That's, that's an excellent uh, virtue of it for sure. Uh, line of sight. So my, my satellite needs to see the earth or my cell phone doesn't work, right? Do, does the CGM and the pod need to be in line of sight of each other or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, it does have to be within line of sight. And, you know, I'm really proud of our engineering team, uh, Scott. You know, when we first started the clinical study, I was a little bit nervous, I have to tell you, about the connection between CGM and pod, because as you know and can appreciate, it's all about how well those two devices talk to one another as to how good your glucose control is going to be. But, you know, we have a fantastic antenna in our pod. The connection is remarkably good between the two in children and adults who wear, you know, CGM, obviously, um, for the 10 days and then the pod being changed every three days. So even with all of that, uh, with you know, everyday use, we have overall connectivity is excellent. Did you happen to see difference with people's body masses? Is there a change there? Yeah, there is. So it um, so Bluetooth doesn't work well through body. Um, but I have to say that because of the changes we've made to the antenna, the connectivity is excellent. Sure. It, it is one of the reasons why we have such good um, clinical trial results, actually. Right. Shissy, can I ask you what you've taken away from this process? I mean, about between making a product and the FDA? Like, or do you have a notebook on the side of your desk that you're going to, that you were like, remember this next time? 
<laughs> or, or, I mean, honestly, was it a, I can't yeah. imagine it wasn't a learning experience, but like, was it valuable? Yeah, it was incredibly valuable and incredibly valuable learning experience. I would say, I mean, I, I would never speak for the FDA, but I, I would guess it's a learning experience on both sides because this, you know, we were uh, designated as a breakthrough technology. This is brand new innovation that has never been delivered uh, before. So phone control, uh, this is the first time ever that somebody will be able to control their insulin delivery system, their Omnipod with uh, a mobile, a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the technology of getting the algorithm onto the pod, which by the way, you know, when we started this um, venture seven years ago, the technology didn't exist yet. You know, the in Trang will tell you in the early clinical trials, people were walking around with backpacks of, um, you know, tablets, et cetera. It was a, a different system, but we knew the technology was in the pipeline of, you know, uh, chip companies, et cetera. And so we knew it was coming and we had to take a bit of a leap of faith. Right. Um, and so, you know, it is really incredible to see the FDA lean in, create pathways like breakthrough technology, like interoperability to help us bring new groundbreaking innovation um, to people living with diabetes. And for us, um, you know, incredibly learning experience because nobody had done it before. Uh, We were taking advantage of new pathways. Um, We were kind of working through what that needed to look like. The FDA was extremely helpful in sharing their perspective on what needed to be in place, um, you know, clinically and in terms of technical documentation and testing to be able to uh, feel confident that we could deliver this technology um, to the community. And so that's all, you know, that's plowing an incredible amount of new ground. Yeah. And now, um, now we know what it takes. And so uh, that's, that's a really exciting place to be in. Um, You know, we've got certainly the battle scars (laughs) to prove it in terms of the development process, the clinical process, but um, you know, this has been building new muscles uh, for our company and frankly, you know, just bringing brand new technology um, that many people said, you know, even just a few years ago, couldn't be done uh, to the community. Let me tell people listening why that's more exciting than they think. So when you get a breakthrough designation, what that means is the FDA does not see enough similarities between your product and any existing product, because if they did, you could have piggybacked off of another company's filing. Look at me showing off what I know about the FDA. Hold on a second. And, uh, <laughs> I think this is your wife, right? Yeah. She's the regulatory she, affairs she, professional. She whispers in my ear. So um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. I just know how to make this podcast, uh, honestly, and take out the garbage. Beyond that, I'm kind of useless. Uh, so, so, so here's why that seems exciting to me. It's because what you're telling me is you are bringing something to the world that does not exist yet. That's right. It, yeah. If it did yeah. exist and you were just putting it in an Omnipod, we would have been using this thing a year and a half ago, probably. Right. Yeah, right. that's that's right. Yeah. This is brand new technology, and I think you know Trang uh, obviously interacted with the FDA on a highly frequent uh, basis, so she probably has additional insight to offer. But um, you know what what's exciting for me is that we are moving the field forward. You know, we we've known for years that um, people want to be able to control their Omnipod with their smartphone. And now we're finally here having worked through all of uh, the technical and regulatory hurdles to be able to bring that um, to people along with, uh, you know, the algorithm and automated insulin delivery with Omnipod five. But this is no small feat. Nobody's done it before. We're the first and uh, we're thrilled to be able to bring this to to the community. I have more questions, but I'm going to, Ask Chang a question in front of Shacy, who's Shacy's going to have to leave first. So I want Chang to be comfortable, or Chang to be comfortable, whether or not she can answer this or not. 
are we anywhere near the ceiling of what this algorithm is going to do? There's no ceiling. Okay. (laughs) I think, you know, I, I think you'll be pleased when you try it and yeah. But am I going to wake up here? I'll tell you the fastest story. My daughter's 17. She'll be 18 this summer. We put her on an insulin pump when she was four because we didn't want to send her to school using shots because I was like, what am I going to let somebody I don't know stick my kid with a pin every day? I was like, that doesn't sound right. So we went to our <laughs> local children's hospital. They had an insulin pump there. And trying, you'll love this story. Uh, there was a table in the middle of a conference room and it had all of the insulin pumps that were available. They were set out like, like I was buying jewelry. Okay. There was everything but lights shining on them. Now, keeping in mind, this was 2007 or eight. And I'm walking around the room. I don't see anything that I particularly am excited about. In the far back corner of this conference room, this like little cutout wedge, there's a little fold-up table. And there's something on it. And I walk over to see what it is. And it looks like someone had an Omnipod in their hand, got about 10 feet from the table, decided they didn't want to walk any further, pitched it into the wall, and it landed on the table. Okay. (laughs) So I pick it up and I take it over to the nurse practitioner. And I go, hey, what is this? And they're like, oh, you don't want that. It doesn't have tubes. It won't work on your daughter. She's too thin. They said everything in the world to me about why I wouldn't want this thing. I took it over to my wife and I said, this is a, this is a contained device. And my wife's like, who cares? I'm like, because every time they change it, I started saying like, what are they going to do? Make 75 versions of this thing? I was like, every time they upgrade it, like we're going to move up with it. I was like, this looks mobile to me. I didn't know anything about you guys. I didn't know if even what I was saying was right or wrong. And that turned out to be true. Basically, yeah. I just like being right when I say something to my wife. Like, it's a long time <laughs> payoff for me. But but overall, I think that's like that's where my question comes from. Like in my mind, I'm like three years from now. Like, am I going to be able to turn the target to 85? Like, is it going to get smaller when the technology keeps growing? Like, what can happen here? And I just I want you all to stay. I want you all to stay super excited about it. Like, I feel like I'm your cheerleader unnecessarily, but for everybody else, like, don't stop. Like, seriously, little vacation. I accept maybe a week on a beach, okay? And then we're right back in Boston to freeze our butts off and work on Omnipod 6. (laughs) No one's taking a vacation, Scott, and we could not be more excited. And and I think, you know, Trang Trang and her team and many others in the company are already, you know, they've already distilled the data from our pivotal, distilled the data from our uh, type 2 feasibility studies, and they're already hard at work at our next generation algorithms. This is, you know, our mission is to improve the lives of people with diabetes. So we don't stop on that. And, you know, bringing innovation to market is how we do that. And so we could not be more excited. This is a huge milestone for us. Um, but, you know, we expect many more milestones as we look forward. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask a question that's going to lead into another question, Chasey, for you. Um, what's going to happen to the Eros pod? Are you going to keep making it? Or, I mean, now we have, we have Dash, we have yeah. Omnipod 5, and we, for people who don't know, we have the Eros, which isn't the original pod, it's the OG pod smaller. Um, yeah, I like to call it the classic Omnipod. I think that's what we should go with. Um, <laughs> so, so are you going to, so here, here's my, I interviewed Chuck a few months ago. I don't know if you heard it. I, I lo- did. I love Chuck. Uh, the minute I met Chuck in person, I sent a text to somebody. I was like, I need to interview this guy. This is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but I tried to get out of Chuck how much Omnipod 5 product was piled up in Boston, and he wouldn't <laughs> tell me. Uh, but I imagine you've only got so much space and so many resources, and you can't make an unlimited number of devices, right? So 
Do you have a plan yeah. for that? We, we don't have a plan to discontinue uh, our uh, other Omnipod systems on the market today. Uh, you know, we recognize that uh, people want choice. I think that there, you know, I think there's going to be incredible demand for Omnipod 5 and most people are going to want to move to that product, but we don't have plans to discontinue uh, our classic Omnipod or Omnipod Dash. That's very cool. So now that question leads me into this, which is, I want to know your thoughts as much as you can share them with me about the do-it-yourself loop system and that people use Omnipod Eros to run an algorithm that has never seen the FDA and was written by people online. I've always, yeah. want, I've always wanted to ask you what you thought about that. So, Well, um, you know, what I can say is that we wouldn't be here today with you know now multiple system multiple automated insulin delivery systems on the market without the DIY community, um, you know I think the DIY community helped push innovation forward. Probably helped inform some of the um, regulatory pathways that are leading to interoperability of systems. And so for that we are entirely grateful. And we involved members of the DIY community uh, into the um, development of Omnipod Five because there was a lot to learn from the experience out there. Uh, that existed. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge is that, you know, these systems are not, uh, they haven't been through the clinical and regulatory uh, rigorous pathways that Omnipod 5 has. And so uh, we're so excited to be able to kind of provide, um, you know, provide a system that has the, the incredible clinical performance and the full muscle of insulate support clinical, technical product support behind it. And, um, but we're grateful for, um, you know, the paving of the way that the DIY community did. And um, it's a remarkable group of, you know, engaged, motivated, talented people. And we benefited from their expertise. Is that partly why you got involved with Tidepool? Because they are taking that algorithm and trying to bring it to market through the FDA. So one day when Tidepool gets the okay for their algorithm, is it as simple as I'll be able to decide if I want to use the one on the board or the one in a tide pull app? I'm not sure it's that simple. You know, okay. we've had a development uh, program for tide with Tidepool for quite some time now, supporting their uh, regulatory and clinical development efforts. I think it's great that they're working to get this system, you know, through uh, the regulatory process, which is, you know, quite rigorous. Um, but we don't have a commercial agreement with them yet, and I think that's an interesting question because a, a big benefit, you know, is the product support, technical support, warranty, all of that stuff that comes with it. So we've got to figure those uh, things out, but um, but certainly, uh, you know, delighted to be uh, helping support their uh, clinical and regulatory work. You know, I'm sort of laughing to myself because I'm thinking back to your previous answer and I'm imagining, I'm imagining about 10,000 people who use the DIY loop who have been prepping and saving the arrows pods and closets and buying <laughs> They're like, wait, I didn't have to stock up on these things. <laughs> I don't know. I got a couple of drawers. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. It's very, uh, it's a very enlightening conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, it. It really is. I mean, to to your point about the the DIY group, I've seen over my years it push. I, I think that they're the reason why Dexcom got through so quickly when they got in the in the beginning like you know just to what you said like people are doing this thing already like let them do it i I, how many years ago did i say to you are we ever going to be able to use this on a phone and you were like definitely what is it like six years later you know six years later it is (laughs) so i mean people are never going to understand the process 
and and how slow it moves, right? And yeah. and I mean, you talked already about you're redesigning a thing, you're packing technology into this little pod. It's not just one. Like you don't give me one pod, you give me ten of them in a or how many come in a box now? You changed it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, ten or five. Ten or five on. in a box. Yep. I need so many I need for a week, for a month, for a year. That technology lives inside of each one of them. And yeah. it just it, it baffles right. the mind because I think most people do see it like, well, why didn't they like, you know, for instance, like, well, why is it available for Android now, not iPhone? Don't they just have to copy and paste that into an iPhone app? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to know the whole thing. It just takes. No, time. you're right. And, yeah. you know, you think about it. We manufacture tens of millions of pods every year. So, you know, part of the FDA uh, clearance process is ensuring the quality systems, everything's in place to do that reliably, high quality, um, you know, uh, and um, consistently and and with resilience. And so those are, that's the, you know, that's the, not the burden, but that's the, that that is why it's a lengthy, rigorous process with the FDA and why consumers then can be very confident in the technology uh, like Omnipod 5 that we're bringing to them. I, when I saw your, your production floor in Massachusetts, I was so blown away with just how amazing it is. You, you know, the automation and all the technology that goes into building the technology is fascinating. It's why I asked Chuck to come on because I thought yeah. if, if that guy thought of like this, like I need to know what it's else incredible, you know? incredible yeah. investment and incredible operation. I'm so glad you were able to see it. I right. wish I could show it to everybody. Right. I think there's videos on our website, actually, if people are interested in the technology, but, um, you know, just incredible automation, which brings a high level of quality, consistency, reliability um, to the manufacturing process. And, you know, now we've grown so rapidly, you know, more than a quarter of a million people rely on us right. for their pods. You know, we've got to be able to, and we're going to see a lot more than that with Omnipod 5, we got to make sure that we have a very high quality, scalable, reliable manufacturing process. Let me, um, let me say something nice to you for a second, Chasey. Um, I have, my daughter's had diabetes since she was two and she was diagnosed in 2004. I started writing a blog in 2007 and not long after that, uh, I started writing little pieces for Omnipod's website. So that's my the time I go back with all this. I've been involved somehow with Omnipod before you were here, before probably yep. anybody that I deal with was here. There was this, I loved the product, and I all I wanted was for my daughter to have it. And I lived with a tiny bit of fear every day before you got to Omnipod that a lot of business people owned it and they were trying to build it up to sell it to somebody else. That was always a background fear in my heart. And then you got there and I thought, oh, this lady wants to sell insulin pumps. And it just like, I mean, I was just so excited, you, you know, <laughs> so I, I can't thank you enough for showing up and, and doing that. I can't imagine the 180, you know, you must have, it might've taken some real pulling to pull that, those horses around into another direction, I would imagine. So, I mean, this thing is the, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to my daughter. Like it really has. <laughs> She's worn one every day since she was four years old. It's for almost huh. 14 years. You know? Scott, that is yeah. just, I mean, you know, that makes my day that, um, you know, I'll share that with the team. Um, I can say two things, you know, uh, actually, it's not just that I want to sell insulin pumps. I, you know, my father lives with type one diabetes. What I want to do is improve the lives of people living with diabetes. And, you know, we get to do that. It's such a privilege, uh, frankly, to lead this company and, and be able to see uh, that our technology makes a real difference for people like you and Arden. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, you know, what made 
made the last uh, you know several years possible uh, in terms of really strengthening the company, being able to deliver on the promise of the innovation roadmap is just adding people like Trang uh, to our team. Um, you know, we have an extraordinarily talented, committed group of people that are working every day. Um, you know to deliver technologies like Omnipod 5 to yeah. the community. You guys do little things that people don't know about. Like I've spoken to your employees a couple of times just so you, yeah. you this cuz you don't realize there are people that work there that don't have diabetes. And in their yeah. mind, they're making a little plastic thing, right? It's their job and they just know what they're supposed to do and you go to the trouble of making sure that they understand who it's impacting and and why it means so much and I love coming and making people cry at your thing. <laughs> and you did. You did a great job of that. <laughs> Almost uh every few months we have uh, somebody who comes and makes the company cry, right. as somebody who benefits from our uh, technology and we also uh, encourage our new employees to wear the pod uh for uh you know, we call it a 90-day challenge um but do what we can to really connect everybody in the organization regardless of where they are, you know, finance HR, the manufacturing line uh, to uh, the daily life of somebody who relies on our technology so that we all understand that our job is to reduce burden. And everybody in the company has a responsibility to do that and has the opportunity to do that. Um, and so we we take that really seriously. Thank you. Can you speak to, so, I mean, there's no ads on this episode, but because um, I want people to be able to get through it and listen straight through. Uh, but you know, for the last year, I've been telling people, get a dash, get a dash, get a dash. And, you know, whenever you buy something, inevitably the new one comes out the next day. So for the group, <laughs> for the group of people who are like, I'm on my third dash pod, are you kidding me? Can you yeah. explain to them if they want Omnipod 5, what's going to happen? Because it's not like, and I know you said it earlier, but I just want to say it again. Like yeah. it, it, in the past, they would have been stuck. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's really important because uh, as Trang said earlier, we've thought about the customer experience uh, and simplifying the customer experience, not just through the technology, which we think we've done to great effect with Omnipod 5, but also uh, through the whole process of trying to access the technology, which we know is really burdensome for uh, people. So that was the whole point in taking the technology through the pharmacy channel. Um, it enables us to do a few things. Uh, it enables us, first of all, to let people just go to their local pharmacy and get pods. Uh, so some place they have to go to get their insulin and their other supplies anyways. Uh, it enables us to eliminate the upfront cost associated uh, and large you know, um, deductibles associated with the durable medical equipment channel. And it enables us to get rid of that four-year lock-in period. So if you acquire Dash tomorrow and then your insurance covers Omnipod 5 in a week, you can move right on to Omnipod 5. So uh, that is the benefit of the, the model. Um, you know, the great thing about Omnipod Dash also is that Omnipod 5 uh, was based on that platform. So it will make your pathway to Omnipod 5 uh, much easier from a training perspective. As Trang mentioned earlier, if you are an Omnipod Dash user and a Dexcom G6 user, it's an online training module to then move from Omnipod Dash to Omnipod 5 okay. uh, once your insurance covers it. So no, um, no burdensome process to be able to access the technology, no upgrade fee, and no timing requirements. We're going to be able to, to let you do that as quickly as possible. So I always encourage everybody, you know, even if you think Omni your insurance is going to cover it next week, there's a benefit to getting onto Omnipod 5 and there's no cost. I mean, to getting onto Omnipod Dash and there's no cost. To move to five. Um, yeah, did, to move to five. The work you guys had to do getting Omnipod Dash covered by all the 
all the myriad of insurance companies, by the way, that's not a job anybody wants, but um, <laughs> but getting all that worked out, is that going to translate right over to five or are you going to have, I mean, is there going to be a gap of time where you're out there, you know, talking to every insurance company trying to get coverage? Yeah, our team has been hard at work establishing uh, coverage for Omnipod 5, and we're doing great. Uh, we now have more coverage established for Omnipod 5 than we did you know, months after we launched Omnipod Dash. But there are payers who will not contemplate uh, establishing a reimbursement policy until the product is FDA cleared. So, um, you know, today is a great day for us uh, because it also will enable us to accelerate even faster on uh, the covered lives or number of people that we can get uh, covered for Omnipod uh, 5. And all of that work is is underway. We do have a lot of leverage. Um, You know, we'll launch in a really strong position. um, But now from here, the teams are going to accelerate and get uh, even more coverage established for Omnipod 5. Oddly, I just got an image of you in a smoke filled room with a cigar calling insurance companies. Go on. (laughs) Hey, we got the clearance. Let's do this. <laughs> I, I, I don't smoke. <laughs> I know, but that's what popped into my head. It was just completely ridiculous because looking at you, I don't think you smoke cigars. Um, well, Shacey, I'm gonna. I know you have to go, but you're gonna let me hold on to Trang for a little bit. I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's ex- she's happy to do that. Trang, gird your loins. I'm gonna beat you up pretty good. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> Thanks so much, Shacey. Thanks so much. It was great Take to care. talk to you. In just a moment, you're gonna hear my 25 minute conversation with Dr. Trang Lai. But first, if you've heard about the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes from the podcast or any of the other content and you don't know how to get started, go to juiceboxpodcast.com. There you'll find all of the series that are available inside of the Juicebox podcast, not just the daily episodes, which by the way, the podcast comes out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday every week. But there's also a Pro Tip series with me and a CDE named Jenny Smith. She and I break down all of the ideas that are spoken about in the podcast, and I think if you try those episodes, if you really dig into the Pro Tip series, you're going to get an A1C and a variability where you want it. If you're just starting with diabetes, we have a Defining Diabetes series, which takes all the terms that you're going to use every day with type 1 and explains them in very, very usable fashion, in layman's terms. It's not going to be all technical and medically and boring. It's going to be quick, easy episodes to get you in line with what it is you need to do and what it is you need to know. You know how there's all those variables in diabetes? We have a diabetes variable series. There's also an after dark series where topics that don't get spoken about much get tackled. Past topics include heroin addiction, bulimia, other eating disorders, diabetes complications, being from a family of divorce, sexual assault, PTSD, so much more. They're the things that happen to everyday people just like you that no one talks about, but we talk about it here on the Juicebox podcast. There's a complete series about algorithm-based pumping, which is only going to get longer now that Omnipod 5 is here. And if you're interested in how we eat, well, there's an entire series dedicated to how people eat. Because here at the Juicebox podcast, I believe that it doesn't matter what eating style you employ, you deserve to know how to use insulin and use it well so you can be happy and healthy and unencumbered day-to-day with type 1 diabetes. Check them out, juiceboxpodcast.com. You can also find the pro tips at diabetesprotip.com. And don't forget, if this is your first episode, subscribe and follow in the audio app that you love using. doesn't matter if it's Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you listen to audio, you can get the Juicebox Podcast. I appreciate you listening to all that. Now let's get you back to the show. All right, Trang. 
let's dig this thing apart. Okay. How's this thing work? What are we going to do? Um, let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, so let me, let me, I'll give you a little preamble first. And again, okay. everyone should understand. I, we, we didn't pre-plan this. I may ask you something that you're not comfortable asking. If that's the case, just say, I can't answer that and we'll keep going. So here's my perspective. I employ a very active insulin management system. Like even when my daughter is just using Omnipod 5 and I'm using a CGM and we're making every decision manually. Um, by that, I mean, we are very diligent about a good basal rate. We pre-bolus meals. Uh, we understand the differences between the impacts of different glycemic loads, glycemic indexes of food. I don't abide high blood sugars. If I miss on a bolus, I come back at it again. I live by the ethos that I'd rather stop a falling blood sugar than live with a high one. And, and that is how we stay very flexible from there. Uh, a number of years ago now, a listener contacted me and said, I want you to try this do-it-yourself algorithm. Um, because I, you know, later I learned that she didn't know how to use it. She thought if I learned, I could tell people. <laughs> so at the time, I did not want to do it. Every reason why a sane person would not want to download an algorithm off the internet and let it give their kid insulin, I had a problem with that. I watched everybody doing it. It was working for people. And overall, what I thought was, this is the future. Like, algorithm-based pumping is going to be the future. If I'm going to do a good job at this for my daughter and for this podcast, honestly, I need to understand this. So I begrudgingly did it. There's a great series of conversations about it in the podcast from me you know, on day one being like, oh, my God, I, I, I hate this thing. Why does it shut off the basil when I bolus? Like, you know, like all this stuff. But now I found a real happy place with, with algorithms. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not going back again. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I also got to learn an immense amount more about how insulin works just by having Night Scout on my phone and watching the algorithm give and take away insulin. It's a fascinating way to learn how to manage insulin, just to watch a computer do it instead. Um, I meant every word I said earlier, the minute I can have Omnipod 5 for my daughter, I'm taking the loop off of my daughter and we are switching over and it is my wholehearted goal to keep her on it forever. But I feel like there's things I'm gonna have to learn about it, like there were things I had to learn about the loop to make it as truly like, successful endeavor. Um, and so I just want to know what you learned with people wearing it, you know, and, and then if we can't dig into some of this a little bit. Yeah, I think the profile that you're describing someone who um, has well-tuned basal rates, who pre-boluses their meals, who really understands the impact of low glycemic foods and high glycemic foods I think all of that really bodes well for excellent glucose control on the Omnipod 5 system. You know, we, um, if, if you're able to do all of those things, then good glucose control is achievable with AID systems. The reality, Scott, is that it's really hard to be very regimented about your diabetes every single day for the rest of your life. You know, I tell people, you know, it's like a exercise program. You know, a lot of us can do it for a day, three days, a week, but it's really hard to do that for 
every single day for the rest of your life. And so, you know, we have built this algorithm for when people, you know, underestimate their carbs or forget to bolus, you know, for teenagers who do not bolus. And that that comes from my clinical practice of taking care of a lot of teenagers uh, over the years. And, And so we really want it to work for the broad population of users out there who live with diabetes every day. And and that means, you know, being able to be responsive enough to um, what we call an unannounced meal, otherwise known as a meal, (laughs) Um, where you haven't given a bolus, you know. So that just happens really regularly in everyday life. And and that's what we're trying to do. And and as you know, um, the... The whole art of this is giving just enough to get this person down and not overshooting and causing, you know, prolonged severe hypoglycemia. Um, Because, you know, if that happens, then really, um, you know, you have not succeeded in in this area and you will cause, you know, intense mistrust with, with your patient. And so getting that just right and um, that formula just right for our adults as well as our little kids um, was really important to me. And so I, I think it will work really well for Arden. Okay. Will, will I see when, when she's low and stable, like away from meal insulin and away from food, am I going to see a 110 blood sugar or are there worlds where she'll ride lower than that? Or Yeah, in yeah. some cases she could ride low, lower for sure. Um, but those are the sort of numbers, you know, 110, um, between 100 and 110, you know, waking up in the morning was very, very common in the clinical data that we collected. Right. Yeah, that that is, I mean, as you know, that is really the impact of this technology is, is really that overnight glucose control and being able to wake up in range and, and not... Um, you know, being agitated by hyperglycemia and really, you know, letting it ruin the rest of your day. That that is the beauty of AID technology is really enabling that, that dynamic glucose control in between um, those big meals. Okay. Hey, just because it got past me earlier, AID automated insulin delivery. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Normally, I'm very good with not abbreviating. Yeah. So thank you. No, no, no. I just wanted to make sure I was doing that right. So here's a, here's a question for you. My daughter goes to Five Guys. She gets a burger and she gets a shake and she gets French fries. And I, is she going to get peanuts too from Five Guys? You know, we don't do that. Isn't that interesting? You don't do peanuts. Giant. They have the best peanuts. All right, all right I'll try next time. Uh, <laughs> just now, you're making. I feel pressure. I'll I'll eat the peanuts. Uh, <laughs> so we go in and here's what I know. I know it's a lot of carbs, right? And I make a huge pre-bolus for a lot of carbs. But what I also know is there is no amount that I can pre-bolus or bolus (laughs) that's going to get ahead of the fat rise that comes about 45 minutes or an hour later. Now, right now on the system we use, or even previously before algorithms, I would have made a new bolus about 45 minutes in. I would pre-bolus the fat rise. You, You know what I mean? So... Yeah, I can still do that, right? Because the fat's going to hit like carbs, so it won't mess the algorithm up, will it? No. So you can pre-bolus um, for sure, mm-hmm. definitely, and um, and you can wait till your daughter starts to kick up again before you give more. That's totally fine. Or you could 
could pre-bolus and just let the algorithm run with it as well. I, I think high-fat meals are very hard um, to manage. It's likely uh, if your daughter runs at 5.2, she doesn't have that many of them. Um, no, no, so- no, 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 Craig, Craig, it's more likely that I'm really good at bolusing for them. Oh. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> But she's 17, Scott. Yeah. She's going to go to college soon she and you can't go with her. No, no, I got a text. Don't worry. We'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm just, you know, my bigger question is about the algorithm. Like, can I put that in if that works? Like, here's my other question. Does do fake does fake carbing mess up the algorithm? So for people who don't know, some people adjust the algorithms yeah. by lying about carbs that don't exist. Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah. So in our bolus calculator, you can do everything that you do today. So you um, can set your insulin to carb ratio as aggressively as you want, or, you know, at at different times of day, you know, if you're more sensitive, uh, actually more resistant in the morning, which is much more common, then you need more insulin for those morning carbs. You can set those ratios through the day. And then same thing for insulin sensitivity. You can set that as aggressively as you want for different times of day. So none of that changes. So you don't have to kind of fake the system. I think what I've learned uh, looking, you know, taking care of people with diabetes is it's really hard to get it right, even without, you know, trying to fake things. So what the system knows is insulin on board. So if there is a lot of insulin on board, it knows to kind of like take it easy. And if there isn't a lot of insulin on board, it it allows itself to be more aggressive in the presence of hyperglycemia. Okay. It's, it's, I mean, listen, it sounds terrific. Here's what, I mean, my goal is to take it and, and to get the settings in a place where I just fine tune it as best I can. Like I, I genuinely meant what I said earlier. I, I don't, I, let me be clear because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I love the do-it-yourself loop. I think it's astonishing. I, as a matter of fact, I don't know who Ivan is, but you ought to find him and hire the guy. Um, and you know, but um, but but beyond that, this the ease of use and the simplicity. You guys have been saying it over and over again. It's what's in my heart. I I just don't want. I don't think that that I care. Here's how I think about it. You don't have to answer. If my daughter's five five right now and she can be six on on your product, my imagination tells me that in the future you're going to work on getting the target down. So if the next number of years of my daughter's life are spent at a six A one C while she goes to college, and then one day you and I are talking about this again, you have, I look older, you of course look exactly the same, and you're like, hey Scott, good news, we got our target to ninety, blah blah blah, whatever. I don't think of those as three wasted years. And I'll tell you why, because I've interviewed so many people, adults with type one who had it when they were children, who talk about going away to college and every, it's just a dumpster fire while they're at college and it gets so bad that they lose their way. And, and a lot of them have to have some sort of a, like a personal awakening to even like try to bring it back again. It's, it's, and a lot of people don't come back from it. You know, and it's not the stuff we talk about so much, but it is the real like valid truth about diabetes is that you could burn out. You could just be not good at it. Your diet might not jive well. Your doctor might suck. Like there are so many things that could happen to you where you're just clawing to stay alive instead of living well. And I, as much as I'm happy to tell you that my daughter's A1C is 5'5", I would gladly tell you that it's six 
and that she doesn't think about diabetes very often. That used to be the tagline of the company, right? Long time ago, make diabetes a smaller part of your life or something like that is a long time ago. But I still, I shoot for that all the time. And the look on your face tells me I'm going to find that with this. So... (laughs) For sure. It's, it is really about reducing burden for our users. And, you know, all those things you say about um, just, I'm going to, I mean, I've been crying for a lot this week, Scott. If you and cry, I'll cry just so you know. <laughs> right. I'm going to try really hard not to, but, you know, um, I have, taking care of so many teenagers who have lost their way. And so I, um, it really is about reducing burden in ways to just allow them to live their life and not think about diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, all the things you're talking about, about lower targets and getting tighter control, we will get there with better insulins and better sensors. But we've got to do it safely with the tools that we have today. And I'm really proud of the system we've built that has excellent timing range, remarkable hyperglycemia reduction, and thriving children and adults on the system who can live their lives and and travel and not have to think about their diabetes. I mean, I have patients who used to be my patients at Stanford, and I text them now, they're on the system, and then mom doesn't even talk about diabetes. And I'm like, oh my God, are you still, is she still using the system? She goes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kate's still using the system. But, you know, I get this long text about how she's doing really well at school and she's top of her class. And, you know, that's what makes me so proud to be here today. So yes, it is all about that. It's never been really about the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a, a, a couple of harder questions based on that idea. I don't. I, I like to go happy to sad, happy to sad. I like, I like the way it keeps it moving. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who uses an insulin pump that your site doesn't always last as long as you hope it will. Sometimes it does. There are there are times that my daughter rides an Omnipod for eighty hours, right into the emergency time at the end, and there's nothing wrong. And there are times where five, six hours before it's supposed to expire, I say to her, "Hey, if I was you, I'd bail on this pod now." Right. So, is the, am I going to see the algorithm? Like if the if the site gets gets janky, am I going to see the algorithm pumping, 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 trying to get ahead of it? And does it have much luck with that? From what you saw, yeah, I um, I think what you're describing, you know, the algorithm responds to that really well without over responding to that. And you know what we've seen is that yes, that that is a um sort of something we see with all types of pumps, in fact. Um, and in fact, it's it's actually more of an issue in tubes pumps where people tend to, it's a bit like contact lenses, you kind of wear them <laughs> and you kind of forget what day you're on, right? So it, it can, you know, especially if you, um, beyond that three, four day period of, of an infusion set, you, you can generally see that hyperglycemia. Okay. We don't, tend to see, you know, that much of a problem. And certainly, you know, the algorithm can really augment for, for that type of behavior. Um, it really just sees that as sort of, um, I, again, just kind of that 
increased insulin resistance so that, um, you know, short-term increased insulin resistance. So it, the algorithm is able to respond appropriately and deliver more, um, can actually give up to, you know, kind of um, 300% of uh, kind of basal settings. So it has pretty wow. um, good range of being able to adjust to to your insulin needs. So if my daughter's basal is 1.1 an hour, if it sees her like randomly heading up, right? She's She's been 100 for a couple of hours. She starts heading up. It starts predicting more. It will, as aggressive as it is, as it feels like it can do without causing a low later, it's just going to keep, it's going to quickly put up the basal to, so there aren't, so you're, you're, you're basically doing microboluses through basal. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Yes. So microboluses every five minutes. So okay. yeah, so that's, ex- ex- you're exactly right. I, I will say, um, just to clarify, so when you first set up an Omnipod 5 system, say your daughter's on, you know, one unit a day, just, mm. just for ease of math, the system will use that information initially, but later on, like, um, uh, you know, by the second, third pod, um, it will, in fact, not rely on the basal rates to augment insulin delivery. It will rely more on her total daily insulin because, again, we don't want people to spend their lives, you know, trying to figure out whether they need, you know, 1.1 or 1.05 units an hour. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it is really the algorithm's basal rate that is being adjusted over time. But, yes, it has um, kind of its own uh, power to increase with um, in the presence of high glucose levels. And then within it has its own safety measures. So these are not related to the max basal settings. And in fact, not related to max bolus settings that you would set in a sort of traditional pump setting. It has its own safety mitigations. And um, based upon all the, the studies we've done um, over the last six years. So when a wearer puts the pump on on day one. It's collecting data on the yeah. f- on the first pot. Then I take that yes. I take that pot off after three days. Actually, yes. Does it take the whole three days to figure out what it wants to know, or how long does it take for it to? Well, uh, since you ask, it is forty eight hours. Okay. So so yeah. So will I see a change on day three, or not until pod two? Not until pod two. Okay. But now I wear pod two for three days. I'm getting the benefit of what it learned off of pod one. When I go to pod three, the 48 hours doesn't start over, right? It just piggybacks onto what it knows from the. Absolutely. Yes. You got it just right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Look at me paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me, but anytime I'm focused is kind of amazing. This podcast is the only thing I'm an adult about. So <laughs> <laughs> the rest of my life, you'd just be like, why am I talking to this guy? But uh, right here, you got the right guy. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you about it that you were like, oh, we should have asked about this? Um, honestly, I, I think you've covered everything. I, um, I just want people to know we're really proud of what we've built here and it's going to change a lot of people's lives. Um, you know, I get asked by patients all the time, you know, when they can get on it. Um, we, we just have wonderful stories of 
you know, we have a child who is actually taken care of by his grandmother um, for various reasons. And grandma said, you know, the system is so easy that um, she doesn't, she can actually send him off to daycare. So he's, you know, only a a three-year-old boy. But um, because of the system and the simplicity, you know, other people can take care of him. He can go to school, daycare, and be cared for by others. And, you know, I was just really proud of that. And I just, I mean, I have so many incredible stories. You know, I think you'll really appreciate this because your daughter was young um, when she was diagnosed. You said two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this child was... um, six years of age, right, and wetting the bed because of hyperglycemia. So would have soaked sheets and mattress because of his diabetes. And because of our system, this child doesn't have to wear diapers anymore. Yeah, it's a big deal. Like, isn't that amazing? No, it just really is. I, I find that the one, I, I try very hard not to lose focus because the podcast is 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 pretty management centric in some places. I, 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 I realize that most of the people I interact with are, are, you know, on a, on a higher level and, and, or striving for that higher level. Um, so I'm very careful to make sure to interview people who are not in that situation too. So I don't forget that no matter how many people this show reaches, there are far many of them that have type one who never consider stuff like this and never find health or happiness and it's debilitating. So I, I I'm not, I, I listen, you guys are advertisers, but if you weren't, you'd still be here today talking about, it. I'm incredibly excited about this. So I really appreciate you doing all this with me. You did bring up one last thing before I let you go. You brought about, uh, you talked about kids going to preschool or, or school for people who don't have an opportunity to pre bolus. Um, because of, you know, their caregivers won't help them or they forget or something like that. Would the way I would handle it, and I'm not certainly saying you should tell me that you agree with this, but the way I would handle it is if I can't pre bolus, I over bolus. I pre bolus, if I can't pre bolus, I bolus for the food and I pre bolus the rise I know is going to happen by not pre bolusing. Um, I imagine with the algorithm, I could still do that. But my question is about little kids who can't pre bolus at school. Is the algorithm going to see that rise and try to stomp on it? And will that, like, I guess, what I see with my daughter when she doesn't pre balls on this current system is that it does a pretty good job of keeping her under 180 if we don't pre balls. Is that what do you see on your side? Yeah, for sure. When we did all of our testing, those were the exact scenarios that we look into. Uh, you know, every person's different and it, you just can't control a toddler, you know, deciding deciding what to eat. You know, I have a four-year-old at home who is impossible. He doesn't have diabetes and I just shudder to think what it would be like. Um, So it is very, very challenging. But it is, you know, it is the uh, reason why we need better tools um, like automated insulin delivery. And I think it'll hopefully make things easier for people and worry a little less that they're going to be crazy out of range, you know, if they had no insulin versus with an algorithm that can augment and give more when they're high, but, you know, they may have just been running at school for, um, you know, an an extra 20 minutes and suddenly be crashing low and actually not need that. 
yep. pre-bolus, right? You just don't know. And it's just so hard. And, you know, we can't always be with our children. And this, this system really gives people peace of mind. Yep. Well, I'm excited. I am going to, here's my, here's my uh, promise to everybody listening. I am going to get on the pod five as soon as I can for Arden. I am going to become a super user of it. And then I'm going to come on here and add nauseam beat into your head how it works. So, um, <laughs> because I think you're all going to, you're about to make a real leap with your lives. So I can't uh, wait, Scott. Yeah, Trank, thank you so much. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for you and Chasey doing this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Anytime. Thank you. Have a great day. A huge thanks to a huge thanks to Shacy and a huge thanks to Shacy and Trang for taking time out of their very busy day to come on the show and talk to me. I mean, this just became public three and a half hours prior to when we started this recording, and you're hearing it just a few hours later. This is hot off the presses kinds of stuff. I also want to thank all of the sponsors of the Juice Box Podcast and remind you: if you ever need them, they're there, and using my links helps the show. All the sponsors are listed in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox now and take a few minutes to fill out their survey. When you do, you'll be helping people living with type 1 diabetes and supporting the show. If you have any trouble learning how to subscribe to a podcast, go to the Facebook page for the podcast, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group. You'll answer a couple of questions and make sure you're a real person. And once you're in, a bevy of information awaits you and conversations with people all the way from newly diagnosed to people who have been living with Type 1 forever. There's an equal mix of parents of kids with Type 1 and adults living with Type 1 in there. There's also a bunch of Type 2s, people who have LADA. I'm very proud of that group. It is a wonderful place for people using insulin. doesn't matter if you have type 1, type 2, if you're the caregiver, or have type 1 yourself. And just like the Juice Box podcast, the Facebook group is absolutely free. Why don't you go check it out? Okay, if you're still here, you probably really want the link to go check out the Omnipod 5. I appreciate you listening this long and making it to the end. If you want to learn more about the Omnipod 5, go to my special link omnipod.com forward slash juicebox five. That's juicebox and the number five. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox five. You'll know you're there when you see the words Omnipod five, automated insulin delivery system, first tubeless system with smartphone control. And then that excited feeling goes up your spine. That's how you'll know you're at the link because you're going to see a tubeless insulin pump running an automated insulin delivery system. It's algorithm pumping with an Omnipod from Omnipod. Go check it out. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Oops, I, I messed up. Omnipod, <laughs> look at me. I'm so used to saying it the other way. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box five. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box podcast. Share this episode, everybody. Spread the word.